Today's scripture reading is found in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 17 through 32. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all neighbors of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. This is the word of the Lord. We're continuing our systematic study in the letter of Ephesians. Um, Paul's letter to a dysfunctional church. Not a lot has changed in 2,000 years. Um, The last time we explored the 14th to the 16th verses uh, just of of chapter 4. As he wrote, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of the people in their deceitful scheming. See, as I shared, after urging the church to live a a life worthy of their calling, he he begs them, he implores them, he pleads with them, uh, be completely humble, be gentle, be patient, bear one another in love, make every effort to maintain the peaceful unity of the Spirit of God. Why? Because there's only one body, one spirit, and we're called to the same hope. There's only one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. And because this is how we ought to live out the grace that has been given to each of us, speaking the truth in love, maturing and growing in his image, Paul writes that then and only then, then and only then, we will no longer be infants. Paul goes on to explain, uh, as we shared last week, the consequence of not being an infant or juvenile. Instead, this is what an infant isn't, or this is how an infant doesn't behave. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. In him and from him, in him and from him, the whole body does what the whole body is supposed to do. It's all fitted together. 
Each, the, the, the foot isn't trying to be a hand. The, the, the ear isn't trying to be a nose. I mean, this is how, how weird would that, that would be a Picasso painting is what it would be. But, but, but how weird would that look? It was just like, well, that's, that's odd. That's, that, that doesn't seem. But if the, each part of the body is doing what it's supposed to do, then the whole body, be it city church, the community of churches, the body of Christ writ large, it, 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 it builds up and grows up. How? In love. If nothing else, the church, one thing the church ought to be about, and that is one thing, you know, not only is it the slogan here at City Church, uh, loving God, loving others. Loving God, loving others. I mean, it's like you know, Jesus said, you handle those two, you got all the other commandments. You love God, you love others, you got it. You got it. The church ought to be known and identified by nothing else is love. I love how one of the brothers who was at the, at the leadership conference, when he came, he said he'd been around church a long time, been around all types of churches, seen all types of behavior, all types of weirdness. He said, but the one thing I did find when I came here is like I felt love, and I knew that as I, when I walked in here, I experienced that I could be who I am in Christ. Not be who you are and, well, this is how I think I should roll. It's like, no, in Christ, you could be all that you are, God intends for you to be in him, in love. So today we want to look at Paul's, and I promise not to keep you long, uh, we want to look at Paul's conclusion to what Christian living, real living, real living looks like. So in the 17th verse, Paul goes on, so, so this transition word again, so, I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. I like how Paul puts this. You want to know how to live? You want to know what it means to be a Christian? You want to know how a Christian ought to live? <laughs> Don't live like everybody else. I know that's complicated. That's right up there with that. that uh, what's, what's, what's maturity? It's not a child. What's a child? It's not a mature adult. You want to know how a Christian should live? Don't live like everybody else. If everybody else is doing something, you ought to immediately think, I know, well, we all breathe. Oh, please. No, it's just like, come on. It's like, it, we, if everybody is doing or behaving a certain way and loving after and doing a certain thing, you ought to think, it's like, hmm, everybody likes that. Oh, well, I better, well, let, me, let, me, let me do a little more investigation. Don't live like everybody else. Why? Because it's futile. There's no hope. It's, I didn't write it. I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as a gen. Well, you know, the people at my job, they do this, and this is how they get ahead. Don't live like that. Well, I think I should do, I saw uh, so-and-so do this, and so-and-so did that, so I'm going to do that. Don't do that. Does that align with the word? It's why? It's, it's the futility of their thinking. As a matter of fact, it goes even further. They are darkened in their understanding, separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. And they are full of greed. It's a funny thing. You don't have to teach a, a child to be selfish. The sin in us, we automatically, I, just, I love my grandkids. I love them. I love them. They're selfish to the core. <laughs> They're selfish. They are. They can't help it. They're sinners. 
See, they, they, they are sinners. Well, what do you say? They're, they're, look, they're sinners, okay? See, they, 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 they want what they want, and they want it now. And if they see something that's better that someone else has, I want that. And they'll scheme and connive and do whatever they need to do to get that toy, to get that priority, to get that hierarchy. That's what kids do. Oh, they're little angels. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> whatever. What are you saying? There ought to be a clear and observable difference between your life, the life of a Christian, and with that of the world. Your life should be, a, there should, your salt, your light. I didn't call you that. Jesus called you that. Your salt, your light. What does that mean? Uh, there's unsavory and there's dark elsewhere. So you ought to stand out. Yeah? You, you are that seasoning on a bland steak that needs that, 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 boy, that makes a difference. Your presence ought to make a difference. When you, when you, you know, you've ever been, a, I know, I've got, I've got some folks I know. Uh, you know, as soon as they come into a room, it's like, it's like a funk. It's like a cloud. It's just like, you know, pig pen, you know, again, you know, it's like, it's that cloud that just comes after them. And it's just like, man, alive. It's like we were having a good time until you came. And it changes the whole dynamic. Well, in a reverse way, we ought to change that dynamic. When we come in there, it's like, boy, you're the life of the party. Man, boy, it wasn't happening until you came. Now, now you're here. Man, this is good. This is great. We're having fun. There's love. There's, there's joy. There's peace. But if you go into an area and then all of a sudden it shuts down, well, hmm, well, anyway, let me move on. So what's your point? The point is there's a difference. That's why Paul goes on to write, that, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught, with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Just two points. Just, I, I got two points and we're, we're almost ready to go home. One, being a, a Christ follower means more than just a mental assent to who Jesus is. Being a Christ follower means more than just a mental assent to who Jesus is. Oh, you acknowledge that Jesus is Lord? You're in good company. The demons believe that. That, that you haven't advanced the ball down the field at all. Oh, I believe Jesus is Lord. You're at the level of devils. I'm sorry to break it to you that, that way. Point two, transformation comes, comes about at least in part through instruction. Transformation, your transformation, my transformation, others' transformation comes, comes about at least in part through instruction. What does he say? You, you read the text. You were taught. You were taught. Okay, well, this goes back to what I was sharing before about, uh, you know, taking the blue pill or whatever. It's like much of the struggle that we exist, that, that we go through, is because we're not receiving instruction. We're e either by choice or a lack of uh, instructors. But more often, we, we just license uh, five ministers. So we've got instructors, uh, but the, a lot of times there aren't the students. 
So as you go through life and you find it to be struggle and, and a, it's a constant this, it's a constant that, well, when's the last time you dove deep into the Word? When's the last time you sat under instruction and received sound, biblical, systematic instruction? Not stuff that just tickles the ears. Not just stuff that's like, oh man, this, and like cotton candy. As soon as you walk out, I'm hungry. It's nothing there to sustain me through those hard times. It tasted good when it went down. Uh, You know, what did they preach about? Oh, I don't know, but it sure was good. And then come Wednesday, come Wednesday, all hell breaks loose, and it's like, I sure wish I could remember. I, I want to go back to Sunday. But if you have the instruction, and you have the word, it's like, okay, man, I know. He, he'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. Though I make my bed in hell, he's there. And hell could be on my job. So, you were taught. We are taught. See, that's the part, that's the functional parts of the body. Pastors and teachers, senior members of the body. See, but Paul doesn't leave it to chance or what we may think is uh, as to the contrast in life and and life's pursuits. He spells it out. No more lies. No more pretense. Tell your neighbor the truth. This is life. This is real life. This this is, I didn't make this up. You, You read it. Uh, don't use your anger as fuel for revenge. Don't stay angry and go to bed angry. Don't steal. Get a job. Why? You, why? Because you can help others who can't work. Don't let anything foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Uh, this is real living. Don't grieve God. Don't break his heart. Why? His Holy Spirit moving and breathing you is the most intimate part of your life. See, again, if I love Gail, if I love Gail, I will never in- intentionally do anything to hurt her. If I love God, if I love it, I won't grieve His Holy Spirit. I want, I want to be in fellowship with Him. Stop with a cutting and backbiting, profane talk. Be gentle and sensitive with one another. Forgive one another quickly and thoroughly. I'm, I'm closing. I'm, I'm, I really am done. So what are we to make of this? Well, you know, just, just one thing. Real living is really different. Real living is really different. Real living is really different. Different how? In every respect. See? You know, it, you find yourself, you, just, you look at your, 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 where you spend your time, where you spend your money, where you spend your affection, where you, where, you know, it just so looks different from everybody else's. I remember, I remember as a kid, I, you know, when I had a checkbook uh, as a kid, my father, and that's what fathers could do, they just kind of pick up the kid's checkbook and they look at it, and I'm still living at home, he could do that. And he went through what I was spending my money on. I didn't know that. I didn't know he had done that. Uh, but then he later spoke about that publicly. He said, you know, I had the, the occasion to look through my son's checkbook, and I wanted to see where his heart was. And I, <laughs> I was maybe 18, 19, you know, barely just new checkbook. I'm big, I got a checkbook. Probably had $300. Probably. $290 was spent in some way, somehow, in ministry. 
at the time, I was a youth minister, youth leader, and I'm buying stuff for them. That was, that's, that, that's, that was my focus. Well, that's because you didn't have anything else to do. You did say you're from Bakersfield, right? Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, things are different. Things are different now. You got more, more choices, more options, you know. New iPad coming out. Everybody wants one. It's like, where do you spend your time? Do you really want to live? I mean, really. I mean, just please. Just, you're talking to Mark. This is just a one-on-one -on -one conversation. You don't, you know, nobody else is listening. Do you really want to live? Or do you want to exist? You just want to, you know, and, and do, we, do we equate living with being a baller? You know, is that, is that living? Is that, you know, there's a lot of folks that, that, that roll large and, and multiple cars and just not happy. Well, that's because I, you know, it's not me. If I were me, I would be, oh, so you're so different. So you're different. Do you really want to live? Do you really want to live? You can't get better instruction than what Paul shared with the Ephesians 2,000 years ago. Let's pray.